I'm Robin Cloud, and you're listening to Dear Queer on Brick Radio. Every week on Dear Queer, I sit down with a talented and brilliant member and or ally of the queer community to tackle questions on topics ranging from sex, relationships, money, work, and, well, the struggle in general. Send your questions to dearqueerradio at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Dear Queer. This is episode number three. And I'm so excited today, one, because of the guest, two, because we have kick-ass questions, and three, because it's, hello, my favorite holiday, National Coming Out Day. So in the studio today, doing sound effects, giggles, bringing the laughter, we have... The very sexy, the very handsome, oh. the very talented Stop it. Keith Stop Price. It. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> hey, how you doing, girl? What's I'm up, Miss Robin? Good. Oh, my God. Look at you in your so- studio and stuff. It's so <laughs> cute up in here. Well, thank you for coming, Dolly. This is fab. Thanks for having me. So, before we get started, let me read your amazing bio. Oh all God. right? Don't be embarrassed. You I did all this. Out comedian, actor, writer, radio personality, Keith Price is a dynamic and diverse comic energy who brings every aspect of himself to the stage for the purpose of laughter and understanding. He was the first out African-American personality on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. What? He produces and performs in comedy shows in and outside of New York City. He is also the host and executive producer of his own podcast, Keith Price's Curtain Call, being the first-generation American son of Honduran immigrants growing up gay in Texas. And seeking comedic glory in NYC is enough for any sitcom, right? You would think. His first one-man show, Ebony Chunky Love, Bitch Can't Get a Date is the subject of an award-winning documentary of the same name, and he is currently working on the third installment of Ebony Chunky Love. So please give it up for the fabulous Keith Price. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who is that guy? Oh, my he God. You so have fabulous. So fabulous. Like, <laughs> Who is he? You are, have been so, so busy. I, well, I mean, it's been uh, – I'm in a transitional period right now in my life, which is kind of fun and scary all at the same time because – you know, change is hard, mm-hmm. and certain people have a very hard time with change, and um, so you just have to kind of keep pushing through, no matter how old you get. All right, we don't have any Kleenex. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm, just, I'm planning on being much more, you know, focused and stuff, but then you started with the questions. This is supposed to be entertainment. This is not therapy. Actually, you know what? This could be therapy. You just write me like a $200 check. No, but, you know, trying to to reclaim a lot of parts of my life now that, you know, my my 10-year career at Sirius, which was really wonderful. Was it really 10 years? It was 10 years. And you didn't have me on once. Well, you know, to be very honest, my amount of duty did not allow me to have my own kind of energy there. Oh, I I know exactly what you mean. You know what I'm saying? You know. Yeah. And as terrible as it may seem now when you look back and you say, oh, my God. You were there for 10 years, and then one day they just told you, you got to go. You're out, bitch. Pack your shit and hit the bricks. You know, when that happens, you, of course, cry, and (laughs) then you try to figure out what you're going to do next and how you're going to move next and what things are going to happen. And it it was very, very scary and still is very scary. 
Um, but it's been more manageable now because part of it has been one, you know, in a weird way, someone said to me the other day, I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> and, um, you know, I took a pretty long hiatus from being in the world of comedy for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm inching myself back into that. And then, you know, the podcast part was the energy that I wanted to create for myself when I was at Sirius, but I just didn't, there was not room for many of us to do many things. Right. And so, see how nice that was? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, <laughs> Very politically well, correct. you know, because you still got to get your, your service money. Anyway, so the the <laughs> thing is, uh, you know, it's been a challenge because, you know, now I'm I'm doing stuff alone. But the crazy thing has been that in the last, like, year and a half since I've not been at Sirius, especially in these last few months, really, that my podcast energy has been focused in trying to get people to come to KeithPriceCurtainCall.com to look for Keith Price Curtain Call on uh, Google Play and all that other stuff. And now to have it be part of the featured podcasts on BroadwayWorld.com is a really great, nice step to have because now it feels as if people are understanding that you can also be black Mm -hmm. and you can also talk about theater and you can also have a style and a personality that is uniquely you but at the same time, universally loved. Right. And luckily, because I've had the 10 years of radio experience. It's a little bit easier for you. It's easier to get things done. It's harder because you have to do everything yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we met doing stand-up, right? I was reflecting on that today. Like, you used to run that show at Starlight, right? And you were one of the young (laughs) galets that were coming out to do their comedy. Yeah, that was a long, that was like 12, 13 years ago, I think. Yeah, that's how long I've been doing stand-up. Fabulous, I'm doing my thing. Look at me, black girl, go. I was like, who is this young woman? And it was fun because discovering you in my, my opinion, I feel like I've discovered you. <laughs> um, but discovering you was a wonderful joy and a treat because not only are you funny, but you also get to be that political representation of everything mm-hmm. that unfortunately we become just by being where we are. Right. And not to say that that's a bad thing. It's just like, you know, again, can a bitch just go do her set? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, can I just do my set and get a burger or something on the way home? Like, you know, why I got to be the one that that's the... But then after you get past that, you just kind of realize that you are very lucky to be that person, right. that one. Right. So I definitely felt like back then I was... Not that I was the one, but I was... There was very few were, women of color, and especially lesbians, lesbians doing stand-up. Right? Now, the younger generation, I feel like everyone just like graduated from college and moved to New York. Yeah, so, I'm gonna be a comic. So I'm gonna be there, I'm there are fabulous. a lot of comics now, and the scene has changed dramatically so much. So you grew up in te- you grew up gay in Texas. Tell me your coming I, out story, because today is National Coming okay. Out Day. All right, so, so all right, all right, you're ready for this. this I'm is ready. A lot. All right, I came out very late by standards. I was 26 really? years old Ooh. when I came out of the closet, and that has been some <laughs> years ago. No, wait, did you not know? No, I knew. Through high school, there was moments that I was like, oh wow. <laughs> How I learned how to play the tuba was because the band director, when I was 11, I said to him I wanted to play trumpet, and he just looked at me, and he was just like, "Mm, I think you should play the tuba. And he was this beautiful, beautiful man, Mr. Carlos Pena, if you're out there, shout out to Carlos Pena, the band director, who, with these beautiful eyelashes I'll never forget, you're going to play the tuba. And I just looked at him, and I went, okay. And there was my tuba career. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I was 
in touch with who I was, right, but I certainly right. now, you know, reflecting on my youth as yeah, we do. You had we, some gay fairies there in your was life. Some, yeah, Sprinkling honey. you mm-hmm. with dust, like, It's come. like, yeah, you better learn how to play the tuba, bitch. <laughs> better blow You're going to be horn. playing the tuba your whole life. Mm-hmm. Where I learned how to, you know, blow and reach around at the same time. Oh, my God. Oh! Wow. Look at that. That's yes. what, bringing back the old material. You turned <laughs> elementary music class into, like, a, a, Total a light porn. A boom chicka boom bin. It was fat. I played the tuba. I had the baseline so i i went through all the stages that you you go through you know i had the girlfriend mm, um the prom you the, did prom I did the prom uh um, did you have sex prom night no i did not have sex mm. on prom night thank goodness but oh. you had sex with with women in high school uh, or no? no no actually it wasn't until college that i had like the full-on sexual experience with a woman mm. And it's very funny that she and I are still friends to this day. Really? Yes. And she is, is a, a lesbian. big old lesbian. Yes. But the leading up to being gay was I had gone to this competition for a part for a promotional team for Miller Beer. And when I got there, I um, was walking around and I was humming a song from Ain't Misbehaving. Looking good and feeling fine and grieving over you. That's what I was singing in my head. And I started singing a little bit out of it. And then all of a sudden behind me, somebody came up and started singing right along with me. And he's still my friend to this day. Really? To this day. Groovy, 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 hip white guy from Seattle. And so we all met and mingled. And he wanted to invite me to come hang out with him because my birthday was coming up after we met. Uh-huh. And, you know, everybody disbanded to go back to the places. So we all worked as beer hunters, making our money and doing everything. And so for my birthday, I decided I was going to go to Seattle. Now, the pre part of this is when I was in high school, I went on a field trip for our senior year and met this really cool guy who lived in Las Vegas at the time. And he was like the ladies' man the whole time he was there. And so I was like, oh, my God, he's so cool. He's so hip. And he joined the Navy after high school. We corresponded back and forth. And then one day I sent him this big packet of, like, you know, girly magazines and, you know, because I'm like, whatever. And it all came back to me. And I was like, what happened? And so I found out later that he'd gotten kicked out of the Navy. This was in the early 90s. He'd gotten kicked out of the Navy under the, the don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Right. And one of his friends got busted, and he busted up the whole group, and so they all got busted oh, and got no. kicked out. And so he wound up living in Seattle I mean, I guess as it's well. a good thing. So now you flash forward to me meeting this guy, my friend David, and I'm being invited to come out to Seattle. It turns out my friend Mike and I, once we reconnected, he lives in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I get to Seattle, and my friends, my two new friends, meet each other. And my new friend, David, looks at my old friend, who I'd been corresponding to for all these years, and he says, oh, my God, you guys haven't seen each other in eight years. And look, everyone's standing here, and we're all gay. (laughs) And I just was like, excuse me? Um... I don't know who you think you're calling gay, but I am certainly not gay. The night, all of that kind of went down. We went dancing and we were hanging out and doing all this other stuff. And I was getting ready for my birthday. Okay, wait. So when did you come to acceptance? We get back to the house that night. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just can't believe I'm gay. I mean, I mean, what am I gonna do? I just, oh my god, my my parents, oh my god. Wait, wait, and wait, two, wait. And I wait, wait for 15 minutes. I swear to God, I was going through it, and then eventually it was over. And I looked up at my friend and I said, "So what are we gonna do tomorrow?" Because I realized, what am I crying for? Like. 
you big sissy, right. you're a homosexual, and you need to own it. And I was 26 at the time, and mm. I knew. It's just that I refused to own. And the only thing that happened mm. was that after I decided to own it, then it was, shit was very cute for me then after that. Well, I'm glad you're out now, honey. <laughs> you made it. Yes, I'm here. You made it. All right, so let's get to some questions. We have some really good stuff today. Um, Are you ready? Oh, right, I'm ready. Yeah, you got your advice? I have my, I am a man of a certain age. Uh Uh-oh. I I do feel like I'm sure I have something to offer. You've lived. I've lived. You know, you have lived. So that's the only requirement. Dear Queer, now this is a two-parter. So part one, do I respond to street harassment or let it go? And if I respond, is it okay to pop him upside the head? Why is it mostly brothers that always have something to say? Hmm. Signed, heated. <laughs> okay, but heated. You know, I've learned now, especially like, you know, how quick we are to do stuff like with the Twitter when people say something yeah. off, you clapping yeah. back and carrying yeah, on. Yeah. And you clap back in that scenario and you wind up getting a lot of extra grief that you don't want. Mm-hmm. So translate that into what you're trying to do. You know, they calling you a lesbian, they're calling you dyke, they're calling you whatever they're calling you. And I know that that's offensive and I know it's rude and it's ridiculous. It's like, but you don't have to put your hands on anybody. Just walk and be free. Now, what I will say to you, though, is if a mother scratcher has the nerve to step and <laughs> want to put his hands on you, you take that bitch out. Yeah, and I then agree. And then... Make sure you do it in front of all of his friends because once that bitch goes down, then the party is over. But I I don't want you to walk through your world with any fear either. Mm-hmm. It's like what they're throwing at you are words. Right. Words, you, child, you live long enough, you will learn that words do not. Everybody's so sensitive about it now, but you will learn as time goes on. It's when they start doing shit that's really important. That's yeah. the shit you got to yeah. watch. And so as long as they don't touch you. You keep stepping. I mean, street harassment is is real. Even like I I wear button downs. I'm you know identify as a bush lesbian, so I don't get that much street harassment. But the kind of stuff that comes my way is like a, actually this happened to me on Sunday. I was walking down the street and the guy's like, "Why you look so mad? It can't be that bad. You know, you look like the the world just fell on top of your head. You know." And I was thinking, if I was a man, he would not he ever say that shit saying, to no. me. You know, he would just ignore me. Mm-hmm. And so I, and that's what you have to do. And that's what we, and they sadly, it's exhausting <laughs> to be a woman in New York City walking to work, you know. Um, but I do agree with your advice. Like I, you have to ignore them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would not uh, condone violence uh, if you're going to be the first one hit, because yeah. then you'll be arrested for assault. Exactly. Like even and if someone spits sudden, on you, if someone spits on mm-hmm. you in New York City, that's assault. Yes, honey. So uh, and a spit will get you a, I mean, a quick chop to the neck for me. <laughs> so any physical aggression your way first, then yes, of course, be, defend yourself as absolutely. and take a self defense class. Because after Trump got uh, elected, I went and took a free queer um, self defense class in Park Slope. I love and it that. was great. And I, I feel like that. I was ready to, like, you know, do Clock a little a knuckle something into the throat if need be. Because, you know, people were acting an ass on the train. They sure were. I mean, they still are. But, you know, this is the thing. I always thought about how, 
you know, you see these stories about the, the young kids who, you know, the parents find out that they're gay because they like to play with dolls and do the hair and the this and the that, and they don't want to play the sports and they want to do this. And my thing was, please let your child just do whatever they naturally want to do because ultimately in the end, if it's not really going to happen, it ain't going to stick. But if you notice that this is something that's going on, then you have to tell them, I will allow you to play with all the dolls you want. I will buy you all the McCall patterns, and you can just, you know, make the bedroom your runway. You can do it. But you're going to have to learn how to fight your, for yourself because, unfortunately, other people are not going to just allow you to be able to, right. They're not to, gonna to dance. Your space. Exactly. Yeah. To be able to do your dance class without the hassle. They're not going to let you go paint your, your pictures without a hassle. They're not going to let you design your dresses and do all of that stuff without some sort of hassle. So I would rather you be armed for the hassle and still get to be yourself. I'm going to take a bitch out. Right. Somebody's going down. <laughs> I, you know. On that so, note, so heated, that's your advice. That's it, girl. Okay, on to the next one. This is a little bit long, so get ready. Uh, Dear Queer, I am the only person of color and woman at my small architectural firm in Manhattan. I have been there for just under two years. I was excited when I got the position because the firm is owned by a woman. But damn, I was wrong to be excited. As a project manager, I have to submit daily reports on all the buildings that I oversee. Each time I submit a report, my boss, a white woman, uses a red pen to correct things that, in my opinion, don't warrant correction, like word choice or my writing style. I started to feel like she was out to get me and noticed that she wasn't treating the male workers in the office their work the same way. So I decided to do a test. I copied an old report that was already approved uh, by her but written by our senior PM who is a man, and used his exact language. I submitted it as my own. She returned it to me with corrections. So now I know for sure that she is picking on me. What should I do? Should I bring it to her attention? Ignore it? Quit? Help. Signed. Edited to death. Work. (laughs) I love, first of all, edited to death. I love your sleuth. Like wow, I would have never, I would have (laughs) never in my mind would have thought of that. Brava, mama. So good. Wow. Okay, so first of all, being a person of color in that kind of environment, you already know you're going to have to work five times harder than everybody in the room. Exactly. And if you're a woman, I'd make that seven times Mm -hmm. because there's a couple of brothers that be sliding in thinking they're going to be like everybody else, and then they they forget (laughs) who they are until that wake-up call comes. Anyway, um, so she has to be very mindful of that, unfortunately. And so this woman is clearly doing this to her. Yeah, it's personal. It's personal. But what she has now uncovered for herself is she knows the woman's agenda. Mm -hmm. So what you should do is you just let her let her correct, honey. Let her if that's if that's twerking her boat, you let her correct. And every time that she does it, you just you keep that one copy of whatever you've gotten that you know is the one that this other person has done, and like you hold on to that. And you just keep that there for yourself in the back somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you just let her keep correcting and redoing and redoing and redoing. And, and keep mindful of the fact that she's not using that as like, you know, a paper trail to come for you. And when she does decide that she's going to do she's, that. But she's going. I mean, she probably she she's going to. She's going to. And when she does, 
That's when you take that one thing and you, bam, and you say to her, do you know that I've had this for I don't know how long, and I've been watching and carrying on, and I noticed that you've been doing this, and I wanted to see for how long this was going to go on until you've decided to make this some sort of thing for me. And now that you've done it, I just want you to be aware that I noticed that there is a complete difference between the way you've done my work versus the person, and that you have your, your stuff ready for her, and that shuts it down. That will shut it down. And also means you got an enemy. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, I, but I'm just saying. This like, sounds exhausting. Well, like, it is exhausting, but think about it. She's going to work every day doing her job, thinking that she's doing it to the best of her abilities, and this woman is just basically coming for her to come for her. Right. You could confront her and say to her, hey, you know, I noticed that, you know, this is what's been happening. This is what you're well, doing she'll to lie. me. And she'll lie and say no. But then when you say, but then I, you know, did this. And it's so interesting that this is a copy that you approved however many things ago Mm -hmm. for this other person. But because my name happens to be on top of it, this is the way that you've chosen to view it. This is really complicated. Like, I I don't know how I feel about her taking, knowingly taking this sort of treatment and, like, holding on. Like, it feels like a lot of emotional strain, like... I think, first of all, I commend your tenacity and your sneaky ways. Like, I'm all about it. Like, I think that's awesome. But I think that you should consider finding a, a new, new job. job. And that was going to be my other part, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, like, that, because whatever this woman has against you, she's going to have it. Regardless. And now that you even know that she has it, it almost makes it harder to be there mm-hmm. because it's hurtful. And, you know, it doesn't sound like you've done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You're a perfectly fine employee. She's mm-hmm. either racist or sexist, you know, but, or who knows? But at, at the same time, too, and I, I hate to be the person that says this. I mean, you are women, so you can attest to this more. But I can say, as an observer, I have seen it in places like when I was at Sirius, is that sometimes women can be more treacherous to other women mm. than helpful to other women. If she's doing it from that place, then you'd have to ask her. Like, I keep getting these reports back and like, I'm getting like, a lot of feedback from you on them. Like, it seems like after however many months, years, or whatever, I'm coming and you're giving me these reports. And I would love... Some pause, some feedback. Some, but I would love to make, I would love to make this better for you so that when you're reading my work, you don't have to make so many corrections for me or so wow, many suggestions. That's like super you have to literally powers. unfortunately she has to turn it around on her. So now you say that to her, knowing in the back of your mind that this is a lie and see you next time. Right, Tuesday. and she's gonna she's gonna but, lie about but, this confrontation. But you know. See the thing is, I find like that's one of those keep your enemies or keep your friends close yeah, and your enemies closer. Cool. Yeah. Because you know what's gonna happen one day? Whatever firm that is that this woman is running those men at some point, they will do a coup and take that stuff over. They mm. will try to take that away from her. So then she's going to be like, well, you and I are the only two women that work in the office. We should be friends. Blah, 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 blah. And she'll be like, no, girl, I'm sorry. Oh, my they God. Write, you a bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. You know. So edited to death, you know, we gave you kind of varying varying degrees of advice. You know, but, but the bottom line is you should probably be looking for another yeah, job. I, I don't I, I don't co-sign on confronting this lady. This this place sounds like a toxic work environment. I would suggest dusting off that resume mm-hmm. and uh, moving on.
Dear Queer, I want to work on a new writing project, and my partner is starting a new writing project as well. We don't work in the same field, but it still feels like we both, the both of us are starting a project at the same time. We are bound to come up against each other's writing schedules. What suggestions do you have in order for us both to support each other while also claiming space for our individual work and time? Signed, Adrian Richie Rich. <laughs> ah, she got jokes. For real. Um, hmm. That's, scheduling I mean, conflicts what, in what, relationships what is, is challenging. Well, scheduling conflicts in how? Is it that because your writing schedule will allow you not to be available? Yeah, I think or, that's so it. That, okay. It's well, like, you know, it's like someone's about to start a big project in a family dynamic, mm-hmm. right? So you'll be away. I'll be away focusing on this for a month. Who's going to fill in? the? Who's mm-hmm. going to take care of the animals or right. maybe the baby or whatever okay. it is, right? Well, the bottom line is if that's your partner, y'all are a team. Mm-hmm. And if you both happen to do the same thing and the both of you are making coin that's coming back to the, the, the house yeah. kitty, then you figure it out. You be grown people. <laughs> and you just say, listen, my writing project is due on X, Y, and Z date, and I got to be doing X, Y, and Z. Look, look at your schedule and see. If you're somebody that writes in the morning, then you go write in the morning and you do what's natural to your, your process so that you don't upset your process. Remember, and this is a lesson that I learned from doing my podcast mm-hmm. with Andy Carl, who is the uh, Olivier Award winner, three-time Tony nominee, mm. been on Law & Order SVU, which, you know, I, that makes him a star to me, and his wife, Orfe, who's just been announced that she's coming back to Broadway soon. And I asked him, I said, what's that like? Because, I mean, you know, when one person gets something and then someone isn't getting something, that puts a load of resentment into the, the, right, the, right. the marriage. And she said to me, she's like, uh-uh, honey. He's working, that means there's money coming in the house. <laughs> when I'm working, that means money's coming in the house. If we're both working, that means more money is coming into the right, house. Right. Because we are about our home and, and our unit and making our unit stay strong. And so if that means he's going to be the center of attention, which he had been for quite a while, for the last couple of years, she was like dutifully doing her thing. You know, she's got her auditions. She knows she may not be getting things, but she knows that her husband, who's out there eight shows a week in Groundhog Day, is going to be coming home with his paycheck. If you are these are, black, writing, are these black people? No, they're white. Mm. But that's you know, the, it shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. That should that's universal. Jobs are hard to get, so right. if you can get a gig, you can't hate your partner for getting another gig because at least somebody going to be bringing some cash up in the house because Fresh Direct does not deliver itself, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think it's about communication. You Absolutely. know, I think if it's if it's a scheduling issue, then, like, whip out a big old piece of paper yeah, and figure t- out. You get the block. You get the so AM block. You get the everybody's PM block. Got the, we all got calendars alternate. that you can share on your phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, you know, if you got that 15, 20 minutes, you know, would you rather spend that fighting or getting your swerve done. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. And then relax another person so they can go do what they got to do. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can go to bed. Something. You know what I'm saying? But you, you have to. You get, that's like the partnership part of that. Like, I would, I think, I say this now being single again. But I think that mm. that would be, if I ever hooked up with a comedian actor, which, of course, I would never do. <laughs> Do you, do you not date other performers? Because this is that. That's a real I, issue. I, for- yeah, I wouldn't. Certainly not now. If I were more established again, I what would do you mean? Certainly it. not now. Well, because I'm like in such flux now with my uh, own career that I just I just don't think that you want stability at least half. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, like I need to be finding me a hot accountant really right now to be hooking up with versus like some broke ass gorgeous actor because what he gonna do for me but give me laughs every day? You know what I'm saying? That's great. Oh my god! But a bitch is hungry, so. Yeah. 
it's about your your home kitty. And if you think about taking care of your home kitty like that, I think you will figure out a way. You know, you will get your calendars out and you will sync whatever you have to sync up. You can you can figure out to make yeah. that work. I don't know. This stuff is it's funny because in my own relationship, I've definitely struggled with this. It's like one person being super busy uh-huh. and like having a theater schedule and like being at home. And those the theater hours, as you know, I mean, it's yeah. rough. It's rough when, especially when you're it's lucky rough. enough to be working. Have you been through this dynamic? It sounds like you're speaking from experience. I've witnessed a lot of it. I I had a partner at one time, but we were only together for years technically not a partner, but he was in the business. Mm -hmm. He was a a casting person. When I first started dating him, I didn't know that he was really a a manager. And so I never told him about me being a comedian because I was like, you know, I'm just trying to get my swerve on really right now. This this isn't about my career. This is about me getting my groove on because I had had a show at my show at Fez. And so I was like, you know, I don't need you to do nothing for me right now, show business wise. But like, you know, how you going to get naked? (laughs) So when I finally told him that I was doing that and then he came to see me perform, he was like, why didn't you tell me? And how did you? And and I said, because I don't want you to think that I'm trying to get with you because you do this. I don't want to sound so <laughs> dirty. I'm trying to be more respectful. But, you know, it was like that was respectful. a more physical, how you doing relationship than what can you do for me relationship. And luckily, because we were able to, like, push through the physical and actually become kind of boyfriendy and whatever, that the other stuff naturally kind of came in. Because he would say, there's this thing that's happening that I know now that I know what you do and that what you'd you be can good do, for. that you would be yeah. at least a good candidate for you to go do. Yeah. But you got to earn your keep, you know what <laughs> I mean? that's a segue <laughs> into the, the Weinstein debacle. <gasps> what? Isn't that the mess? Every day, it's that is more. Like me- it's like it's, Bill Cosby times a thousand. Yes. Because, it's like you know the what slow it is? reveal. But it's like, it's, it's because terrible. all of these famous white women have been attacked and taunted and carried on by this Thank other God he's famous not black. white man. Thank God he's not black. Honey, there ain't no black man gonna get that close to Kate Blanchett. Come on now. Stop. I find it very oh fascinating God. though that it's it's about power. It's all about yes, power. Yes, it is power. Did you listen to the audio? I listened to the <gasps> audio. He sounded so... He sounded, honestly, he really sounded like an addict. He's, like You he could have swapped out that woman for like Cocaine. someone with crack. Who would like a Don't dealer, a dealer that I'm wouldn't give him here. like his last little bag of crack on credit? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Motherfucker, you Harvey Weinstein, why am I paying? You can give him my money. Exactly. And but then what did he say? Sounded, I swear on my kids. Yes. That part made me want to die. I it was I terrible. was like, when I heard that, I kept thinking to myself, you know, when you think about every celebrity that may have come through the wall now mm. that came through that system where he was somewhere near, oh, it God. makes you question. So many. It is like evidently like this big open secret that he was been this way. And only until now, it's kind of interesting that all of these famous folks are now coming out. And I'm like, you know, I, I know that, that it's a hard thing to do to confess because you're going up against the system and you're going up against the man. And but ruining, point, I mean, literally ruining. Uh, you know, not not that I'm saying that it's a good thing to, you know, say say not say something, mm-hmm. but there is a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. I mean, that's why and, Queen Latifah's not out. Oh, I'm okay. Just saying. Wait, wait, I <laughs> wait. Hold up. Okay, so wait, wait. We got two things. Wait. So getting back to the Harvey Weinstein thing is that. 
I think that it's great that they are speaking out, but like how many countless number of women that happened past Gwyneth Paltrow in between oh, Kate Blanchett that hundreds. were not that were not lucky enough to become one of Famous. those two right, women. Right, exactly. And so what was the other thing you just said to me that was a beautiful moment? Oh, um, about Queen Latifah. So I recently I did this joke in my act because, you know, I am a comedian, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the joke basically is for people of a certain generation like mine, when you used to go to the bank and you would <laughs> open an account, you could get like a toaster yeah. and like everybody would get you the toaster because, you know, in the month of June, when you opened your savings account or checking account at whatever bank, there was this this thing you got. Now, if you happen to open your checking account before the month of June, you don't get the toaster. And after the month of June, you don't get the toaster. So when it was announced that Barry Manilow was out of the closet and the whole <laughs> world just was like, oh, my God, Barry Manilow, how brave. And I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> but back in 1970, whatever it was, when you was Copacabana in, you know we all knew you was gay, right? Like, we knew back then, but we just waited because we didn't know what she was going to do because you was working in the music business and you need to make your monies, and I understand, right? right. right? And then the AIDS crisis came along, and we ain't hear nothing from mm, you. No support. Like you ain't hear nothing. Now the rumor is that under the table there was stuff that was given, okay. But there was never a hi. I'm. This is my community. It's dying. And do you feel like we are required to take on that responsibility? When you're somebody that that's famous, a, that's Queen Latifah's argument. I think that well, it's none of our business. Right. Well, but see, here's the difference, though. You know, it's great that. You know, he's decided at this point of his life to come out. But, I mean, he's had other opportunities that I would like to say were his toaster windows. Mm. That if he had come out of the closet, the concept of us as a community being like, yes, Barry, yes, I'm so glad right. you're out. This is fantastic. And the things you're going to be able to do. But right now you're an old ass man that don't even want people to really know you gay. So or as care. Far as, uh, or care. <laughs> and, and so for me. You don't get the toaster. Like, Uh you don't get to be just uh, the grand marshal of some pride parade. Bitch, you ain't been out for more than a minute. And for the other ones, like Queen Latifah and them, don't wait till your career finally go into some slump and then you wondering why you only playing Bessie Smith. Because, again, you know, I'm just saying... You know, your first She was big really film, good in that. I just want to say, Queen, you were absolutely, amazing. Absolutely. She's fabulous. Miss Thing is the bomb. I am not going to ever come for her talent. But what I will come for is the fact that she now knows that the whole world knows. Yes. And I mean, so the, she's the photos so of her kissing a woman on a boat. It's yeah, like, like, we know. And we everybody know. is cool with it. We still want to see your movie. Yeah, exactly. We still saw you and laughed at you a girl in Girls Trip. Yes. You were hilarious. You I was know? hoping she was going to be gay in that, like her character. But, but, but no. I mean, but my thing is, like, I wouldn't be mad at Barry Manilow if he came out of the closet kicking like Jackie Chan and kicking like George Takei. Because George Takei, yes, believe it or I not, he came out of the closet, as, you know, long after, you know, yes, uh, he, yes, you know, he yes. missed the toaster window. He did. And he didn't <laughs> care because he came out fighting hard and strong and speaking up and speaking right, out and speaking right, as right, loud right. as he can because he knows that he cannot allow that injustice of what's happening to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, and it offends me a lot of times because, For folks like you and I who Mm -hmm. decided that once I got on stage as a comedian in New York City, I was going to try to be open and gay and just like take the hit. Yes, and you were the only black gay comedian that I knew. Like I feel like at the time you and I were doing out material. And I had a manager tell me, if you want a career, you shouldn't uh, tell gay jokes. She's like, don't tell anyone you're gay. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't talk about my experience then and I'm 
not going to do that. And, and how and can you? And if it means you? making less money or not being as famous, then fine. I'll, then I'll go on. I'll Life go will on. go on. But yeah. I got to be able to sleep at night and I got to put my head down. And it was funny because, like I said, you know, as we're talking about owning this coming out and everybody's doing this coming out thing, I really feel like the first and most important thing is that you have to make yourself safe before you come out in yeah, your head. Like you got to find that place. I will never forget that because when I came out to my mother, my mother was not happy. Mm. She was not happy. <laughs> Whereas my father was a, a merchant marine and traveled the world, mm. you know, and of course, I guess, discovered the magic of the Philippines at one point in time in his career. I'm just saying, you know. And, um, and he understood what I was. It's just he had to figure out who I was. Mm. But he never hated on the what I was. And unfortunately, my mother wound up going into a nursing home because of Alzheimer's dementia. And we never really ever had a chance to go back and discover, you know, how fabulous it was. And so that's like one of those many regrets that I have. But I also mm-hmm. know that at some point before my mother passed away, she had talked to one of my neighbors. She'd said to me, she goes, you know, your mother always used to say the one thing about you that she loved is that somehow you always managed to land on your feet. Mm. And I'm really now at this stage of my world like, girl, I hope it's still true, girl, because I'm still falling, girl. I'm still falling. But it made me know that even after we'd had that awful, terrible conversation, that she knew who I was. Yes. My parents were... It took them a long time yeah. to get on board. You know. You know, um, so I Because your parents probably were college educated, right? Yeah. They okay. went to Howard University. See, yeah. And and here you are. And married at my mom was twenty. You know, mm-hmm. my dad was in first year law school and they got married yes. and Yes, and then we um, had this gorgeous young woman. She's our <laughs> daughter, she's fabulous, you know, she's gonna probably And go had to the law long school, Barbie hair yes, and then I was honey. like, I love pussy though. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, um, this has been so much fun. <laughs> so happy National Coming Out Day yes, to welcome. all of you beautiful people. Be out. Be welcome. proud. Uh, own who you are. Own who you are. And, and don't let anybody define who you are. Yes, and live Just in your truth, booze. Live in yes. your truth. So thank you, Keith. You are <sighs> wise, you, my brother. Oh, this is age, honey. And please don't forget to listen to Keith Price's Curtain Call, available on iTunes, Google Play Music, and check out his one-man show, Ebony Chunky Love. Bitch can't get a date. That's right. All right. On Amazon. You've been listening to Dear Queer. If you need our help, please send us an email at dearqueerradio at gmail.com. Dear Queer is part of the Brick Radio family. For more information, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. 